0: It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the general's quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Again, Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast. I'm Eric Kane, All Surprise, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubs here to answer your question. BallQuest.com. Don't forget one dollar for one year. And always subscribe, like the video on YouTube by searching BallQuest. Sam Smith, 2233. Does Tennessee try anything new in terms of personnel in the secondary coming off the bye week? Austin, I feel like outside of D Williams, personnel will likely look like the same. Uh just might be a difference in scheme this week.
3: I'll go no. I, I just until I see it, it's hard for me to believe it. And so I'll go with it'll be the same group. Um, you know, at least to start the game. Now, again, that might change once they get going and, you know. They put somebody else in, but I think to at least start this football game, it'll be the same group. But I think you're right. I think that's where they can be different as scheme and not allow 64 yards of pad. I, I
2: think you're going to see D. Williams, and I think you'll see him early in this game. Now, see the difference? I'm I'm not saying that. I know a lot you of people. Start? Asked, you call him a start starter? I'm not saying he starts, but I think okay. you'll see him early. Um, I, I do. I, I think they want to see kind of what they have there. Uh, if he's healthy enough to go him if he's healthy enough to play in the third quarter, then, then he should be healthy enough to play in the first quarter. I don't think he'll return punts, but I do think you'll see him out there in an early series just to kind of see what that looks like. Because Rob, I just feel like they're grasping for some, for some kind of help for some kind of answer at the corner spot.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, you look at <laughs> the Florida game is as far as you need to look, you look out there and just within a few plays or certainly within a few series, it, you, you got Brandon Turnage out there. You, there's a there's a Deshaun Rucker siding. I mean, I don't think they're shy about trying new things at corner. I just don't think they've stumbled on anything that, that's the right answer yet, personnel-wise. And I and I'm with you, AP. And I know you said it too, however. I, I and I, I would feel like you need to tweak the scheme to some degree so you're not you know surrendering eight ten yards you know every time with, with no contest.
3: I I, I am with. The fans, though, from a standpoint of like, and, and this is not secondary, but this is D. Williams not being able to do it. like if on Brown can return punts for Kentucky, then Squirrel White can return punts for Tennessee. Like the whole like, you know, Trayvon Flowers, he's the surest hand safety guy. Okay, fine. If, if they're punting from the fifty and or the forty, and you're you're trying to make sure that you know somebody doesn't catch one inside the ten or the five, that's one thing, but. I think if you're just trying to return a kick, I'd have number 10 back there. That's just me. I I, I don't disagree with that idea, but here's why I think it's a little bit
2: different. Kentucky has a harder time scoring, right, offensively. Driving the length of the field is is, is not Kentucky's strength. They're looking for plays. If you're Tennessee, I mean, you're almost content with the way Hendon Hooker's playing right now just to have the football at the end of the punt. Um, so I, I think there's a little more make sure you have the football. I'm not saying squirrel You're white's going to fumble sure. it, but, but I think because of the high-octane offense and the way it's going, Tennessee doesn't have to necessarily generate as many big plays and special teams. You would like to. I would like to see squirrel white. I, I, I'm on board with you, AP. I think there may be the, the hesitancy is a little bit more of let's just make sure Hendon's got the ball to start to drive because we feel like he can score on any possession against anybody.
0: Let's go to Bassmaster Vol. If Lang is a guard, Austin, who is the priority targets now at offensive tackle?
3: Welcome well, to the portal.
0: Yeah, or or the Lamu kid. Um,
3: you know, again, I think Lang could maybe play right tackle. But I think he's a guard. You know, so you know, it's kind of like Addison Nichols can play right tackle. But in reality, I think he's better suited to play guard. So you're looking for left tackles if you can get them, you're looking for length. And so that's where Tennessee's trying to figure out some help there. Obviously, they feel decent enough about where they are with, you know, Gerald Mincy halfway through the season. And, you know, he's got several years left, you know, where you would feel okay with, you know, going to the next year, at least on one side. But, you know, Darnell, unless, you know you, you know, he doesn't grade out well, you know, it's probably going to be headed to the NFL. So,
0: we got a uh, got a basketball and a football one here. With Lawton's number going into the Raptors at TBA, who do you think in football and basketball have a chance to join him? Was thinking Eric Berry in football, Grant Williams in basketball. Rob, is there anybody that comes to mind in hoops and in football uh, from you? Oh,
1: well, those are the two I would say, but it, they'll have to. I mean. Hover. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think either one of those guys meet the criteria. But I mean, Chris didn't either. I mean, it was a special Rick Barnes dispensation. There's a lot of language in there. If you go looking up about extenuating circumstances, where you can take it to a you know a panel and, and and vote on what you you know consider worthy candidates. But Grant is the one that would come to mind for me. I mean, two two SEC Player of the Year awards is is pretty strong.
2: Yeah, I mean that criteria was written to get Peyton Manning in immediately, and that's why there's so much of the pro criteria in there. Um, you, Didn't they you know,
3: re- on that though when Johnny had his number or his jersey retired? It's not the number, yeah,
2: but there's a difference in, in jersey retirement number retirements as well. Um, you know, you still wear four. You know, you're going to are you allowed to wear that number? You're not allowed to wear that number m- moving forward. So there's a little bit of that going on, but. The initial criteria made it really, really hard for anybody to have their number retired unless they had a superior pro career—not not not a not a solid pro career, but a a superior pro career. Which is why a guy like Al Wilson didn't fit the criteria. Um, And I get—I think the criteria should be hard, but it, it it was really pro. He- heavy pro, Rob. When you look back at that criteria, it was a lot about what you did in the professional ranks. Uh, in some ways, even more so than what you did in the college ranks.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's nuts. I and mean, I'm not. I'm i actually. I have it in front of me right now because I was I was curious. You have to have three of the five. However, uh, three of the of these five criteria, you have to do SEC Player of the Year, National Player of the Year Award like the soul of an award or you know something in fo- in, in football first team all American and then a career record holder in a quote significant category so it doesn't tell you what that category is but That's it has subjective very subjective that was determined by committee and and or Tennessee won a national championship during your your career and um, you know like I said there, there's some language in there about extenuating circumstances there's a there's a nominating committee that will determine what, uh, an individual getting, you know, who will be nom- nominated and, um, you know, it's made up by different people. So, I mean, there's some wiggle room in there, but it's um, it's tough. I mean, it, it, you know, it should be tough, but I, I felt like it was a little too, too tough originally when, you know, if a guy like Chris Lofton has to get special dispensation, then maybe you need to take another look at it.
0: Yeah, and this is a conversation for another day, and maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but who cares what they did in the pros, right? I mean, if you're getting your jersey or never retired at Tennessee, that should be all that matters. But uh, nonetheless, let's go to and 3 a big win by Tennessee over LSU. Besides Hooker, blank showed up on offense and blank showed up on defense. Brent, if you want to kick this off. Brew McCoy
2: on offense, because I don't know that Tennessee is going to be able to line up and run it. You would like to say Jabari Small, but I, I don't – you know, Tennessee doesn't have a running back who's hit the century mark th- this year. Um, so, I, I don't know that you, you could say a running back. So, I'll go Brew McCoy on offense. And then defensively, um, I mean, give me Jeremy Banks. I think the linebackers are going to be really challenged. By that, but I, I, give me Jeremy Banks defensively. But I, I, you could pick a number of guys. I mean, Joshua Joseph, somebody off the edge as well.
3: I'm going to go Jalen Hyatt and Tamarion McDonald.
0: Yeah. I would go Bob and Young on defense, just an edge guy. And, I mean, again, pick your plug. Brew McCoy. Give me a wide receiver, Brew McCoy. Rob, who you got?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I I don't have anything drastically different.
0: Uh, Gator Dog. How do the 2024-2025 recruits view Tennessee is tennessee's image improved with the younger kids and also do you think top transfers give tennessee a look this spring or do bama and ohio state load up again Uh, i'll i'll start the second one here austin real quick i mean i don't know if they'll come to tennessee but i mean lsu took five transfers in the defensive backfield this this offseason i know they had a lot of spots but i mean they took five in the secondary (laughs) like you can take more in my opinion right
3: you can um you know I think that Tennessee will be an attractive destination the more they win period, whether it's recruiting, the transfer portal, the more you win, the flashier and, you know, sexier you look to, to prospects or transfers. And so uh, I, you know, you look at Alabama, Jameer Gibbs had a huge game last week, but before that I thought he had been relatively quiet uh, on the year. I mean, you know, Elijah Rick's the transfer from LSU and came and found the field at Alabama. So like, you know, I, I think that transfers have to be really selective and subjective with you know the schools they look at um, you know and I think you know if you're a receiver if you're an offensive tackle if you you know if you play on the offensive side of the ball Tennessee's got to be a favorable destination uh, for just about anybody. Um, defensively, I think you can you know show hey we need the help and uh, as far as twenty fours and twenty fives yeah I mean Tennessee is a way cooler destination right now than they were a year ago. Um, the in-state kids, you, they just feel like you're in a better spot with a bunch of them. I mean, again, when the more you get them to campus, like uh, Boo Carter came at the end of June. He came again last weekend. He says he's coming for Alabama and then potentially Kentucky, and Kentucky makes the most sense because he plays Webb on Friday night up here um, the night the night before the Kentucky game. If he makes it, to, let's just say one of those two, that's a big, a big deal in my mind because, you know, you're establishing yourself with him. More and more, Marcus Gorey, same thing, you know. Any of those kids in Chattanooga, you know, or Mari Jefferson, or or kids in Nashville with the Spillmans and Caleb Beasley. Um, you know, the more you can get Ryan Wingos to campus, the more you become a factor for them long term. So yeah, I think Tennessee's doing a really nice job of getting kids here. Kids are gravitating towards it. It's you know, they're you know, it's fast, fun, real. I, you know, I you know, it, it it's fun. You know, and I think that kids love to have fun. And so I think, you know, the atmosphere is fun. The way the style of play is fun. And I think that resonates.
0: Yeah, it certainly helps when you're in-house and you have a crowd that looks and sounds and as awesome as what it was against Florida. Uh, Chef Vol 19, with most of the secondary having the opportunity to come back next year and the staff's caution to play some of the younger guys they don't trust. Do you believe, Brent, any of the incoming freshman talent will have a legit possibility to start or play heavily next year, I guess, uh, referencing the six defensive backs Tennessee has committed right now.
2: Well, I mean, I mean, I think they'll have an opportunity. Um, I'm not sure uh, what young guys on the roster right now, uh, he chefs wanting them to play. Maybe it's safety. I mean, I don't I mean, Denico Slaughter is a better athlete at safety, but I don't know how much better he is. I would like to see Wesley Walker at safety, but he's not a young guy. I mean, he's a transfer who's played a ton of football. There, there's not a, there's not a, there's not four young guys standing on the sideline going, "Hey, put me in, coach." I mean, Brandon Turnage got in the game and didn't look like he needed to be out there. Deshaun Rucker was in the same place in the Florida game. Um, there's opportunities for those guys, but but they got to go out and and show that they need to be out there as well. We'll see what D. Williams looks like um, this year. You know, I don't think this staff is afraid to play young guys, um, particularly if you feel like it's out of necessity. And I think when you look at where the secondary is, um, maybe it's going to be out of necessity. My my criticism for the secondary is they're loyal to those two safeties. and, And those two safeties have played a ton of football, but I don't know that they're any more productive now than they were two years ago in their career. Um, and, and that would be, I, I think, a criticism uh, of where you look at is the, the lack of development there a year ago. Not playing young guys, not playing different guys at safety when you had blowout wins uh, earlier this year. You're playing safety set those two safety 75 snaps in a game. You're up four touchdowns in. You know that that part of it I think is justified because I do think that's hurt your development back there at that position a bit.
3: Yeah, I mean you you know Flowers won't be here after this year. McCullough will have the chance to come back. Um, you know. And I guess Flowers technically would, too, but I don't – Technically, yeah. Yeah, He, but he, he indicated, like, he was thinking about going pro last year. I can't imagine he's coming back again. Um, that's just not how the kids normally, you know, operate. But McCullough, I mean, like, here's the way – one of this thing ends one of two ways. Either, you know, you make a move and said older player who's played a lot of football but all of a sudden finds himself not playing, leaves and goes somewhere else, or you just don't improve – you know, and get better at that position. Because, I mean, Hubs is right. You can't tell a much difference between two years ago and now.
0: RDU Vol 21, aside from the benefit of less amped crowd at 11 a.m., do morning practices help the Vols with an early kickoff? It, it's about routine, right, Rob? I mean, Tennessee is used to getting up, eating breakfast, going to get taped, going to get stretched out, going to the meeting room, going out and practicing, and then getting on with their day. Now the times won't all match up here and it's not it's not the exact same thing, but I think the thing that will help Tennessee more than anything with a with an eleven AM kick is a morning routine. Would you add anything to that?
1: I would add that not not just Tennessee. I mean, I, I I agree with you that it helps that they practice in the morning. And you know, Coach Hypel touched on this a little bit, but I what I like about it if I'm Tennessee is you're not sitting around the hotel all day long killing time, you know, meeting, you know, meeting in conference rooms, trying to make sure, you know, guys are occupied. You know, if you got a 7 p.m. kick on the road, that's a long time in in, in the hotel trying to, you know, keep guys focused, staring at the clock. So, to me, that's the biggest advantage is
0: is that you get up and and you go. Let's go to Nashville 615. Why take so many transfer defensive backs like Wesley Walker or Turntine if you're not going to give them a chance? Flowers, McCullough. Uh, like Willie Martinez, likes those guys here. Um, But nonetheless, they want to see some more guys in the secondary play. So why haven't we seen Turrentine and Walker? Is it just simply they trust the two guys and they're just going to ride them?
2: I I think that's a big part of it. I think Wesley Walker's injury in the preseason when he was working some at safety, um, when he came back from the injury, he only worked at the nickel position, didn't work at safety uh, very much when he came back from injury. Uh, That probably set back the possibility of that being the case um and, and Turntine's still a young player um i'm not saying he can't help i'm not saying he can't play but there, there's clearly a trust factor there. there
0: there's no doubt about that let's go to volunteered 87 has Eccles coming to knoxville this fall uh, he actually tweeted out uh, i want to say two he, days he's ago coming, that he's going to be here yeah he'll for be the, here alabama, for the game.
3: alabama game yeah i yeah. thought he was here for the florida game he was yeah he was here for the florida game
0: okay Well, he's going to be back for the Alabama game because he tweeted that out. Uh, Sticking with him, I know a lot can happen in a year, but was that a commit to the first school you visit type of commitment or does it feel like there's something some staying power there with Jonathan Echols?
3: It certainly feels like there's some staying power because he tweets a lot about Tennessee and he's making an effort. comes for the Florida game and he comes for the Alabama game as a 24, you know, to me, that there's some staying power there. I'm not saying that he's locked in. He's never going to look around. He's never going to decommit because that was not like short. it's a short trip either. Yeah, but I mean, like the, you're making a real effort to get from IMG to Knoxville, two weekends out of what four or five weekends. I mean, it's, you know, I I, I think if he didn't show up at all, then it would be more the, the what the poster was talking about.
0: One more here, how much do how much say do teams have in their football schedule aside from scheduling out of conference games? Uh, Brent, if you look at the timing of the bye week and easy out of conference games, I can't think of a more favorable setup in recent memory.
2: No, it's a good setup. I mean you schedule those out those out of conference games you you plug those in. Um, then the bye week kind of falls the way the conference schedule falls and the and the league and the league sets that schedule. I mean, Tennessee doesn't call up Greg Sank and go hey, we want to play this team on this date and and set them up that way. So uh, you schedule your non-conference games when you schedule them, and I think it's a smart move to to put a non-conference game in October as opposed to playing that game in, you know, middle of November at the end of the year. I I think it benefits Tennessee to break up that gauntlet where you're not playing um, Alabama, Georgia, another ranked opponent, Kentucky in the month of Kentucky. Austin's mentioned that multiple times. I think that's a great setup. I think that's something – Tennessee should continue to try to do um, to, to try to get a
3: non-conference game in there to break that up. I also think it's big, Brent, that the conference moved that Georgia game back in the year because there for a while it was Florida, Georgia. And then, you know, some team, whether it's Arkansas or LSU or whoever, and Alabama, now you have Georgia in November. And so, you know, Georgia's different, going to be different in September than they are in November and vice versa. Same thing with Tennessee, but either way, you, you still are playing for something. Think about had you played, you know, Florida, then turn around and played Georgia the next week, just how different the schedule would feel. Right now you're building, right? You win this game on Saturday against LSU. No matter what happens against Alabama, you're playing Kentucky, a team you beat 37 in the last 40 years or whatever the number is, for the right to go to Athens and play for the East. And, and, and that's a big deal to me to have to be playing in the month of November – for a chance to play for the Eastern Division title for this program it would just be massive. So, again, you go win this one this week, you do what you all, do most of the time against Kentucky, and there you are playing for the East uh, in, in November. Yeah, it could make for an intriguing game. In
2: 2016, they were playing South Carolina and Vanderbilt for the East and didn't get it done uh, because they got the tough ones out of the way early. But I, I like the fact that you're playing a Florida or a Georgia late in the year. Um, I mean, think of all those years in the 90s where everybody wanted the Florida game at the end of the year, and Florida wouldn't do that because of the Florida State game, and uh, the conference wouldn't move that schedule around. I I think it's smart on the conference's part to break up that Eastern Division, where the Eastern Division is not essentially decided by mid-October, which is what it's been for years, when you had Tennessee playing Florida and Georgia, and then you had Georgia playing Florida by the middle of October in Jacksonville, and they played Tennessee early. The East race was over. There was no drama in November in the East. And so this creates some drama there, which is a smart move uh, by the conference for, for TV purposes and everything
1: else. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th
0: Who would you say has made the Theo Jackson jump on both offense and defense this year, Rob? A uh, uh, Theo Jackson jump through four games. I haven't seen one. I know we spoke about Aaron Beasley kind of being on that pace, but since Juwan Mitchell's come back, his snaps have gone down a little bit. I don't think anybody's on that trajectory on either side of the football right I, I, now. I mean, what, am I Jalen wrong?
1: Jalen Hyatt's sniffing around it. Okay.
2: I, yeah. Yeah. I'm with Jalen. I'm with Rob there with Jalen. I mean, Jalen's just such a different player. Um. And maybe it's because we know Jalen's kind of where he was mentally uh, yeah. a year ago, and, and I think Theo was in a little was in a similar spot. They just didn't have a ton of confidence going into that last year because he had not really been a factor and hadn't played. So uh, I don't think there's anybody on defense. Rob, I'm with you. I, I think Jalen Heights sniffing at it on the offensive side of the ball because of how far he's come in a short period of time.
3: I'm going to add one on defense. Oh, uh oh. I don't think you can answer it this moment, but if we look up at the end of October and he's continued his trajectory, I think Omari Thomas can be that. Now, he's not as old as Theo, but a guy that's played a couple of years now, starting to find his footing. Again, he's got to continue to play well against LSU, Alabama, UT Martin, Kentucky. If, if, If we look up after that Kentucky game, I think he could be that. Yeah, here's where I would challenge that one a little bit. You knew that Omari Thomas
2: was a starter coming into this year. He had already assert, kind of established himself. I bet Omari Thomas played more snaps last year than Theo Jackson had played in his career up into his senior year or close to it. Um, but I do think Omari Thomas is getting better as a football player. I just don't see Omari Thomas out of the blue. And maybe nobody, maybe you don't see Jalen Hyatt being out of the blue as well. Um, Theo was different because everybody, nobody even th- – thought about theo in the spring no he was left for day that's right i mean and that's the difference i mean there was not nobody wrote theo jackson even into too deep for 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 a lot of that and then to go be the guy he was so so both those are, are a little bit different i do think omari thomas is getting much much better as a football player no doubt
0: no too deep you say so there's hope for brandon turnage uh, I, I guess I don't even put Jalen hot in that conversation, but I probably should again, because he made a couple of hits his freshman year, but didn't do anything last year. Um, a couple more here from Athron. uh, still no Khalifa Keith offer yet. Think that will come before, uh, the weekend is out. Probably not awesome. They no. need to, they want to see him play, they, right? We're going
3: to go see him play. He was, he was hurt. Um, but I, I think all indications are that's just a formality at this point.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's go to NWGAVOL. Better odds of Tennessee pulling off the upset: Alabama at home or Georgia on the road for anybody. I'm going to go Alabama at home.
2: Rob, yeah,
1: I, I, same. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be betting on Tennessee in either one of those games. But I just think, I mean, Alabama could be a track meet. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know that Tennessee stops them and. I mean, I, th- I think Tennessee can score on anybody. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they'll score enough to keep up with Alabama. But, I, I mean, I could see that would be in, you know, 45-38. You know, just something nuts.
3: If said can get back. Oh, well, yeah, that's for sure. And you're just a deeper wide receiver unit. You're going to be better on the O-line than you were a year ago. I mean, last year you played Dane Davis at right tackle against Alabama. But can you still run the football? Yeah, 100%. I understand, but I'm just saying, like, even just from a protection standpoint, um, it, it just I, – I think Tennessee has a shot, you know, to at least be in the game. Now, again, we talked about this. I've talked about this every year for the last, like, five or six. For whatever reason, Tennessee has played them closer in Tuscaloosa than they've played them closer in Knoxville. Every game in Knoxville has just been a bludgeoning for the last, like, 12 years. Um, so, you know Le- – uh, Go ahead, I hubs. I don't think Tennessee. Neither, gonna,
2: neither. I have I no think, shot. I don't think Tennessee's going to e- win either game right now. I, I want to see what Georgia looks like over the course of the next couple of weeks. I, I feel like Tennessee might match up a little better with Georgia because I'm not sure sure Georgia can match points. I think I Alabama's getting. I think Alabama's getting better if Bryce Young is is not out for an extended period of time, like Gary Danielson says. Uh, th- then I think, uh, sorry, I'm going to beat that one for a horse for a while. Uh, I, you know, if Bryce Young's back, I think those young receivers at Alabama are continuing to grow, get better. I think Jameer Gibbs, I think they're going to become really hard to stop offensively. And so you got to match points for points. When you look at this Georgia team, they're really good at tight end, but right now they don't wow you at receiver. Lad McConkey's a solid player, but who's, who's opposite of him? Where's, I don't know if Adonine Mitchell is going to be back or when he's going to be back. There's certainly not a Pickens running around out there. And and I think they're they're solid at running back, but I don't think they're as good at running back as they have been. Tennessee was in the red zone five times against Georgia a year ago. They moved the ball as well as anybody did against Georgia. They just couldn't do anything against that Georgia front. Georgia's good. I don't know if Georgia is as good as a year ago, and I don't know that they have the edge they have a year ago. I kind of like Tennessee matched up against Georgia – a little better than Alabama. Now it's at Georgia, which makes it hard. Um, but but I, I might lean a little bit Georgia right now. And so, now 18, on, on October
1: 5th, in- October 5th Hubbard picked pick the No, episode. I did not.
3: I knew that's where you are going. Go ahead, Austin. Chime yeah. on in here. Now on the podcast, we bring in our old colleague Jesse Simon for his take on Georgia. Oh,
1: <laughs> Hubbard, before we move on, are you saying if Bryce Young plays next week, will Gary Danielson compare him to the drummer from Def Leppard? <laughs> it, it'll be
2: the greatest recovery in the history of college football after it was the most devastating injury in the history of college football into it an ac it, sprain yes but but uh, in the middle of that arkansas game it was a torn rotator cuff and it <laughs> we was had the most, amputated, buddy. It was the most amputated. Deva- but it was the most devastating injury to the history of the game of college football the fact that he was not going to be back out there yeah. because Gary hey. Danielson got hurt the same way.
0: Hey, hey, those hurt. But look at Jordan Potts. You're back in a few weeks. Uh, Tin boy in 1989, Tennessee moved receiver Carl Pickens over to help with the defensive secondary. He made a real difference. Do you think there's anyone on offense who could help uh, like Pickens did on defense back then? It seems like the coaches don't consider that an option anymore. Why is that?
2: They need corner things. they need corner help. Carl Pickens was playing free safety and going and plucking the ball out of the air like it was a punt. Um different different type deal. Where Tennessee needs help is they need a skilled corner, Rob. And that was not what Carl Pickens was doing back in eight, nine, 1989 when and, I mean it, Eric Kane was not
1: a thought. It's a different era of football too. And it, it, a different I mean, we're talking about a, a head a head football coach who how many how many how many guys did he, he fire middle of the year? I, remember, <laughs> I mean, like I remember Doug Matthews went to left work on Tuesday as a running backs coach and got there Wednesday morning as a defensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, it's, I mean that, you know, I know Pruitt fired the D line coach mid year last year, but that's it's just a different era. I mean, I, I, I just, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think a, a kid could do it now. Do you hover? No, I don't think so. I mean, again,
2: with all the specialized training, Austin, I mean, yeah, you go and recruit really good athletes, but, Um, you just don't, uh, you just don't. I don't see athletes again. You maybe you could play free safety if you were playing an old traditional free safety where you're roaming the field back there as a receiver, but I I just don't know that you can play both ways.
0: Let me rephrase the question What if it was like a dime personnel? Julian Edelman came over, helped the Patriots, Troy Brown helped the Patriots a little bit. What if it was like a dime personnel? I just don't think people do that anymore. I I agree. I I think it's possible you could do it,
3: Eric. I mean, you could 100%. Get some of these kids to do it. Just nobody's willing to to, to give up. You I mean, know, the practice time is so valuable. They're not going to give but, up those four you, reps on wide receiver on offense to let them go play. I mean, if you if
1: you're repping it, if, if you're doing it all the time, like, you know, if you spent spring practice there, if you, you know, spent fall camp doing both of them, maybe you could do it, but. Here, after four games, you couldn't do like they did Carl Pickens and say, hey, you're, no. you're going to play defense now.
2: Yeah, and I, I don't know who the candidates would be at the receiver spot to go play over there. Jimmy I mean, Holiday already got Cam Miller over. Okay, Jimmy Holiday. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one, Austin. Um, you know, straight line speed, not a ton of lateral quickness, but but maybe there. Um, you know, I mean, Cam Miller got moved from receiver to safety. I mean, he's, he's a non-factor nowhere. Uh, at this point, I, I don't think that they see him as much of a factor right the now. The easiest move would be taking a Maury Thomas, putting him on the offensive line. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see a receiver making that move to the secondary. Uh, yeah. I just, I don't see that. And I don't see Tennessee with a defensive back that you would say, hey, he's going to come over and be, you know, an effective wide receiver either. Again, part of those two positions with all the seven on seven stuff, it's so much specialized training. You know, it, it's just a little bit different, as, as Rob mentioned, than it was years ago.
0: Let's go to Tony Soprano. Um, Early basketball starting five, Rob. I was not expecting the comments about Sakai not starting, but as you pointed out, he's going to play as many minutes, if not more minutes, than most starters. So starting five doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, starting five really doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know. I'll throw out Josiah, Santiago, Olivier, uh, maybe Tyreek, and I'm missing somebody. Julian? Yeah, maybe Julian. And I he, again, I mean, the, the better question is who's going to play, like who's going to be in the rotation, and who's not, and that's going to be Josiah, Zakai, Santiago, Tyreek Key, Julian, J- Olivier, Eurosh and Jonas. I think those are eight guys that are guaranteed minutes. That's that's the much better question than who, who the starting five is. It's like who, who's going to play, you know, eighteen to twenty five minutes a game, and right now I think you got eight guys. I think DJ. B.J. Edwards is pushing to, to be one of those guys. He's got a shot. Um, Jamon Meshack pushing to be one of those guys. He's got a real shot. Maybe maybe Tennessee's best all-around defender. And that's that's what's going to get him minutes. I mean, he he's a guy that can legit, you know, guard four positions. Um, so, I mean, I think you've got ten candidates that are really vying for minutes. And Rick has shown in the past he's not – not in love with playing, you know, going 10 or 11 deep. So I think you better be one of the, one of the top eight guys. If you're going to get 15, 18 minutes a game.
0: Let's get a couple of recruiting questions in here for AP. Jeff lead orange, any updates on recruits confirmed to be visiting for the Alabama game? And then uh, anything new from Tamarian Parker, Tate Francis and M Pemba.
3: Um, Pemba visiting uh, here soon. Um, Parker will be here next week, um, Tate, nothing, uh, Maui, or Maui going nothing, too um, bunch of 24s, a lot of the ones that were here shot, a lot again, you know, like last weekend, um, you know, the uh, 24s, 25s will all be here, a lot of the in-state kids, and a lot of the 23 commitments um, will be here as well.
0: Here's a good one. Bolt VFL, is B.J. O'Jalori the biggest decommitted player in the last five years? Well, yeah, sure, but B.J. O'Jalori
3: always wanted to go to LSU. Always. When he, when he picked Tennessee, he was he wanted to pick LSU. He was picking LSU, and Tennessee got to him beforehand and convinced him to not commit to LSU and, and commit here. It was no shock that he decommitted and went to LSU. That's where he, his heart always was.
1: Okay. I mean, I, I guess it's been more than five years, but man, C- Cecil Cherry, Dal- Dalton Santos, there's, there's some big blows. <laughs> Who's the
3: other one?
0: Who's the other one? Oath uh, of Peters. Oath of Peters.
1: Peters. <laughs> and, uh, AP, that's a great pull right there. I couldn't think of it.
0: I heart Vols, uh, AP, what was the knock on Elijah Herring that he didn't have more offers coming out of high school? Um, Just hadn't camped a whole lot of
3: places and i think some people were you know weren't sure on him um and then i think tennessee even at first was a little bit slow on him and then they went and then i think that they're oh so happy they did (laughs) because they they think he's going to be really really good again he's still got to continue to improve i mean even the sacks he had uh, in the akron game you know he didn't play great fundamental football when he was out there he's still he's still a, a work in progress like he should be he's a fresh raw yeah yeah and so like but i mean they think that you know he's smart he's intelligent he's big he's athletic he can run and and honestly like a, a kid that kind of morphs like the most polite mild mannered nice kid off the field and he walks across the white line like moonlight graham and and uh in the uh,
1: the baseball movie. <laughs> I, I tell you, the, the greatest example of that ever. I mean, I think Elijah seems like Paris Harrelson Hubbard was. Yeah. I mean that's an that shows our age, but he was filled of dreams.
3: Kane, filled of dreams. I about said remember the Titans, so it's just easier to say remember <laughs> remember
1: the baseball
3: movies. I'm just waiting on you to try to figure it out.
1: <laughs>
2: and I wish everybody would have seen the video of that because the wheels were spinning and nothing was happening. <laughs> I mean nothing was going on. I, I mean <laughs> how bad it is
3: yeah. I pulled Moonlight Graham, but I couldn't feel filled a dream. Uh, the you got Otha Peters,
2: you got Oath of Peters, but couldn't remember one of Kevin <laughs> well, Collin's I mean, biggest the movies. You know, you're exactly right on paris harrelson i mean it, you know paris harrelson had those glasses all studios <laughs> oh, and, then, and then all of a sudden he stepped on the field and he was he was a late hit waiting to happen and, and a guy who played really uh, you know physically and aggressive and uh, I, I think elijah's got that when he when he steps out there he, he it does flip a switch the other thing too austin correct me if i'm wrong because i'm old and i forget all of our travels i mean physically he changed a good bit in that spring, going into into his senior year, right? Well, he definitely like, did. Like he filled out, body changed. Because no. I remember when we
3: went and saw him, and I was like, he looks different. When we no, because we go back, you no. go back to the COVID year. And okay, no, seriously. And here's why I know this because I filmed all those kids at uh, the seven on seven thing they were rolling, and they were doing individual stuff. And it was Tennessee that called me and said, "Hey." How tall are you? Because they watched our video. They watched they watched my interview with him and they were blown away at his size with the shirt off and then how tall he was. They thought because he hadn't been up here around them, that he was shorter than he was. And it's the old thing. How tall is AP? How tall is AP when we get those in the board when I'm standing beside a recruit? And Tennessee pulled that in this instance. How tall are you? They're like <laughs> and, and so then so then they're like, Well, you know, he's a lot bigger than we thought he was. And I said, yeah, he's a great looking kid. And next thing you know, boom, 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 and here they come. And they but he put him. on
0: muscle when he got well, by the
3: time he got here, didn't he? Yeah, he's put on he's put on the right kind of weight. Hubs is right in that regard. But he was already if you go back and watch the video of him working out, I mean, his arms are already well developed. Uh, and that was uh, summer of 2020. That was during COVID. So I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, he's gotten bigger. But I mean, he was already you know, whereas like Caleb is. You know, Caleb's got to get his butt in the weight room. I mean, like, they're all, I mean, Elijah's on Caleb all the time. You know, like, you've got to, you know, Caleb wears always well, like 208. Like, I mean, he's got to get, you know, more and more and more. And he's got the frame to do it. He's going to, he's going to be a monster. Like, when he gets up here, I think the best thing he can do is get back around his brother, you know, because th- those two will push each other, drive each other. Um, when they get up here and get in that weight room, getting the nutrition program. By the way, before we go, before we go, I do want to tell some stories here since I was out and watching Nico um it was i got the biggest kick out of watching josh heupel ask for kids to get tackled <laughs> turn the ball over because i mean like you fly three thousand miles and at this point like nico went touchdown 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 from three passes mm-hmm. at that point it's 27 to nothing because they ran the opening kickoff back and you drive all that way and the last thing you want to do is see him watch him throw three passes so watching him you know, beg for kids to get tackled and, and and this and that so Nico could get the ball back or you know or have more opportunities to throw. I got the biggest kick out of that just because
0: you know it he was just funny. Let's do two more on this matchup and then let's get out of here. Uh this is uh hard hat ball, uh D line versus their O line. Thinking this could be a key to winning the football game. What say you and can you analyze the matchup? Brent. I think there's opportunity there. That offensive line's been kind of makeshift. They haven't had the starting the same starting five for the majority of the season. They kind of been doing some patchwork. Um, I, I think obviously we've we've talked about the the ends having to make a difference and Barron and, and Josephs and of course Young, but I mean Amari Thomas in there as well. I, I do think that Tennessee can affect the game from its front compared to their front in this regard.
2: Well, I mean. Look, LSU, Rob, likes to play physical. They want to come downhill, right? 196 yards a game rushing or something like that is what they're averaging. Yet their quarterback has twice as many carries as any of the other running backs. It's truly running back by committee. But Tennessee's going to have to defend between the tackles. And I think Rodney Garner's guys did a good job of that at Pittsburgh with the exception of one run. Uh, But it'll be a test for those guys up there. Um, I don't think this is the best uh, version of the LSU offensive line, but they're going to try to get after you physically.
1: Yeah, I agree. And even even when you like throw out their you know, their cupcake get, cupcake games against New Mexico State and um oh, southern. southern I mean there's there's they're averaging right at 200 yards a game and they're two SEC games so they're, I mean they're, they're those running stats aren't padded and um just based off I, I'm with you Harper. I I thought with the exception of the one bust at Pittsburgh that um you know Tennessee did, did a pretty nice job there and I really I I don't know how great Florida is on the ground, but that was one of the most impressive things to me about the day was how Tennessee really, you know, controlled them. Didn't, didn't. And a lot of that that you worry about was Anthony Richardson. And and that's a lot of what you're worried about this week is, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the mobile quarterback and, you know, Tennessee lost him a couple of times, but it was, you know, he didn't gash him for, you know, a 60 yard touchdown run or anything like he's capable of. And, you know, I think that kind of discipline and, you know, paying attention to your assignments can be is going to be huge this week because, I mean, like you said, Hubbard, I mean, Daniels has twice as many carries as anybody, so that that tells me that you know, being disciplined and, and being able to contain a mobile quarterback is is priority number one for your run defense this week.
0: Last one is going to go to Rocky Top, Tennessee, or TN. Is Nico the type of prospect that could see considerable playing time in his freshman season? An example of this could be where Clemson moved on from Kelly Bryant in favor of Trevor Lawrence by the fifth game back in 2018.
2: We'll have to wait and see. I mean, you know, is Nico a generational player? I I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence has proven to be that that he's going to be that kind of guy, right? You look at what he's doing in his second year in Jacksonville. It's amazing what happens when you get some good coaching down there with, with them. Uh, and, and Doug Peterson's done a really good job putting that offense together. And you're seeing Trevor Lawrence take off in his second year in the NFL. He obviously was a really good player at Clemson, generational type guy playing for the championships. Gary Daniels was a fan, yeah. Um, well, you know, Rob, I think, you know, everybody loves the next guy coming in. I think Nico's got a world of talent. But what's the adjustment to college I mean, like for him?
1: I mean, you just can't say that about any high school player and projected in football. I Don't think I mean, especially a quarterback. I mean, you just never know. I mean, he's insanely talented. I mean, you flip on the tape and it's hard, I mean, it, it's impossible not to be impressed. I mean, it, just, it jumps off the screen at you, but I mean, you could just start rattling off the quarterbacks who have been, you know, sure things and, and ended up, you know, being misses. And I mean, I don't, I'm not saying at all that Nico's that, I'm just saying that that's the nature of the beast. I mean, you just can't sit here. Midway through a kid's senior year in high school, and say, Oh, yeah, he's going to play a significant amount of snaps in the SEC next fall.
2: Just can't yeah. And yeah, just like you can't say that college guy is going to go into his rookie year in the NFL or he's going to go into the NFL and be the answer, you know, in the NFL either. I mean, it's just a tough transition, but there's all the talent in the world. And um, there's no reason to say that Nico can't, uh, but he's got to go out and prove it. So it's, it's hard to project that well, one. And I mean, he, I can't he's also
1: be- going to be competing against a guy that's going to be in his, third year in a system and what six year in college six year uh, six year of college football I mean, a 23 year old i guess an 18 year old I mean, that's that's gonna be a steep steep hill
0: yep we'll have to see a little too early to project that but nonetheless uh he'll be in there competing for it and uh, next spring will be fun to see what he looks like uh for tennessee over the course of 15 spring practices that's gonna do it for this edition of the mailbag podcast got to most of the questions had a whole lot this week so really do appreciate you guys for uh, sending those in every single week for the Thursday mailbag question, uh, mailbag podcast, $1 for one year. Get it while it's hot. Big game coming up on Saturday. You don't want to miss any of our pregame coverage, uh, game day coverage and post game coverage all for Tennessee and LSU. $1 for one year. Uh, get it while it's hot. And as always, please support the site on uh, YouTube by searching and liking our videos on YouTube. That is fall quest for Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs. I am Eric Kane. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us here today, and enjoy the rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the Vault Quest Mailbag podcast every week, right here on Vault Quest.